Hello and welcome to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. My name is Nathan Freeberg, and today in the podcast, I'm talking with Dr. Linda Schubring. I am the VP of Employee Experience and Culture at Arite here in the Twin Cities. Hello, Linda. How are you? I'm great. Wonderful. Today, Linda and I are going to be talking about what it takes to build a strengths-based employee experience. Back in episode five, Linda and I talk about what it means to become a strengths-based organization, but at a very high level. Today on the podcast, she and I get way down into the weeds, the good, the bad, and the ugly of transforming an organization into one that is planted deep in the soil of strengths and subscribes to a philosophy that everyone should operate from a position of strength. We'll talk about how this role evolved for her, how they onboard new employees at Arite into this culture, examples of what it sounds like when it's working, as well as some examples of what hasn't worked so well. She'll also share some very specific tactical suggestions if you want to take the first step in transforming your organization into one based in strengths. So keep listening. Before we get too far down the practical, tactical road, let's learn a little bit more about Dr. Linda Schubert. You may know that Linda is one of our consultants and is married to Brian, but she wears many hats. Linda, I'm excited to finally be talking with you today about what you've been doing in Arite since like what, 2010? Yes, 2010. Yeah, to really embed the language and culture of strengths in that organization. Well, I'm excited to be here and excited to be talking about it. I'm really proud of all the hard work we've done, and I'm so grateful for Michael Finland, Arite CEO, for investing so much into this work. Yeah, that's obviously a big part of it. Before we get into the nitty gritty, can you take us back to the beginning? I'm wondering how your role as the VP of Employee Experience and Culture came to be and how it's morphed. Well, it's definitely been a journey. I think it was after two years of strengths-based consulting engagements with Leadership Vision that I was actually hired onto the Arite team as the Director of Strengths-Based Organizational Culture, and that was a mouthful. Wow, that is a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was often just easier to say that I was the Director of Culture, and we were still kind of trying to figure out what that all meant. But one thing was for sure, I was charged with seeding strengths into Arite and helping us move from an individual contributor consulting model to a more project team-based model across the whole company. Right. So, and I know that you love this term. You were called the strengths lady, right? Never, never the strengths lady. (laughs) No? Okay. No. And I joked about this. I I didn't want to be the strengths lady. I didn't want people to hide when they saw me coming. Oh no, she's going to ask me something about my strengths. I can't remember what they are. But I was confident. I knew my approach would be more unique invitational and intentional to help us get comfortable with the human side of us. Yeah. So how did this role evolve for you? Yeah, we started with a focused approach on the leadership team. Uh, I spent time getting uh, everyone conversing in the strengths-based language internally. Common language is essential in building a strengths-based culture because it gives us a shorthand, a depersonalized explanation of behavior, and an opportunity to invest in our leadership capacity. As we pushed our leaders to be more aware of their impact on others, we helped each other see how we can have the same company vision, but very different perspectives. Hmm, that's good. Can you share like one example? Absolutely. I've, I can think of lots. <laughs> I'm sure you can do. 
As one leader would begin to brainstorm, he would frame the conversation by saying, hey, this is just an idea, or hey, I'm just throwing this out here. Mm. That was great framing, and then we all knew how to listen. Okay, um, another leader would say, remember, my positivity is always looking for the silver lining. That was also great framing. Then we knew how to respond or recalculate. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing those small but positive adaptations promote self-awareness and remind everybody that you're on the same team. Absolutely. So when did your title change then? Yeah, at the end of uh, 2017, okay. I was promoted to the VP of Employee Experience and Culture because we wanted to declare our investment in our people. Uh, I'm humbled and honored to, to play this role. I continue to serve on the executive leadership team, and I am a voice for our people. I keep our emotions and needs in mind. I want everyone to find a safe space to mature into a thriving self. I would often joke with my high-achieving, productive colleague that we are both for people. But he is F-O-U-R people, and I am F-O-R people. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So he is for like four different people, yes. and you are F-O-R yes. for as in yes. like an advocate for people. I, I like that. <laughs> Correct. And and personally, personality-wise, it's it's easy to keep that straight. Um, but it's a catalytic relationship for sure. I mean, he is so productive, and um, I'm keeping the people in mind. Hmm. So, okay, this might sound like a weird... Uh, weird question, but what makes you qualified to do this work? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Linda, all the years that I've known you, you don't strike me as maybe st- the stereotypical VP sort of, you know, shrewd business type sort of person to me. Okay. Well, times are changing, Nathan. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and in the rate of change today, trust and empathy are catchwords. And catchwords that we really need to figure out how to actualize into all sectors. The future depends on it. My doctoral degree in intercultural studies, where I studied how teams and individuals navigate change, it shaped my work and my executive voice has emerged with confidence and wisdom. And being in your 40s helps too. (laughs) Almost there. (laughs) You know, um, I'm an empathetic leader and I lead with a balance of heart, logic, and intention. And I've learned when people feel safe and secure, understood and known, they are not afraid to give more, fail quickly, and can admit when they're wrong or maybe stumble on a life that feels amazing or made just for them. Yeah, that sounds really touchy-feely, Linda. Are you sure there's room for that in the business world? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some people say that emotions are not for the workplace, but our brains are wired emotionally and wired to emotionally and relationally connect. It's that empathy. It's that trust that people are longing for, pointing to and wanting but it comes at a cost with being vulnerable. So I try to lead by going first and practicing vulnerability in a variety of ways. So I surround myself with the best people and I learn something new every day. What does that do in terms of the example it sets for your people? Great question. I believe our people want to know that as a person, I have a place and I want our people to get there. I want them to feel honored. And don't you want that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, everybody I think with empathy, with engendered trust, I've seen right before my eyes, anxiety go down, even when the workload increases. I've seen people face their fears and discover more greatness inside them. I think what I'm getting to is that I believe, bold statement coming, Nathan, (laughs) all places where humans are involved need space for compassion. Compassion. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I usually don't think of compassion in this context, but what do you you mean when you use that word? Well, I'm defining compassion as an emotional connection with someone's need. That kind of compassion is contagious. 
Compassion means we welcome others and are eager to help because we were there once too. Compassion means we can pause during painful life events and remember what's really important. Compassion means I can hold tensions. I can feel calm in emotionally charged environments. I really desire health at each turn. That said, practically, my conversations range from the hard conversations and carefrontations to pep talks and reframing. Sometimes I just simply listen, and sometimes I give inspirational lectures. <laughs> uh, and oftentimes it's, it's thought-provoking questions. The cool thing is I'm just one among many voices. Hmm. Meaning you're not the only one helping to shape the culture. No, our ELT shapes the culture. The employee experience team shapes the culture. In fact, each employee who joins Arite has a shaping influence on the company, period. In a way, we all attract, retain, and invest in our people by serving them, equipping them, taking care of details, and caring about them as people, shaping our culture with compassion. And then there's Michael, our CEO, who has committed to building a company marked by an elite employee experience and a delighted client experience. I know one of the major investments you've made is in your strengths-based model. It's been fun for me to be a part of that in mm. some small way with <laughs> the work that I've been part of with Leadership Vision in Arte, specifically around the vision track. Yes, yes. And now strengths is woven into our DNA. It's just one of the ways we talk and behave around here. We know our strengths off the page, in living color, surrounded by compelling stories and complete narratives. Strengths live in the context of relationship and it is electric. So what does this look like or sound like? I mean, what do people in a culture focus on strengths do differently on a day-in and day-out basis where you'll know strengths is real and alive in those people? That's a great question. In our culture, we have a level set with the language, meaning we understand more of the definitions around some of the strengths or expressions of those. People will make statements uh, that will promote more understanding and uh, reveal some of their self-awareness. So, for example, uh, one woman um, once said to me, my achiever individualization are so happy right now because people were being honored and work was being accomplished. Someone else said, you know, negative words make my positivity maximizer go dark. That's self-awareness. Mm, yeah. I've heard someone else say, I know I'm trying to remember to honor her intellectual learner and give her some lead time. My response always is, you know, tell me more. I'm, I'm curious. Explain the strength to me. I'm not telling them about the strengths. They are um, teaching me about how they show up in them. Does this ever lead to people using their strengths as like an excuse? You know, like not being willing to do things outside of what they deem as maybe their area of strength? Sure. Well, it's easy for it to be an excuse, right? But we do not excuse bad behavior. We equip our people with the strengths language so there can be quick insight, perspective taking, even a pause. Strengths then provide a shorthand to prevent short circuiting. We promote a positive and healthy culture. I want to turn a bit of a corner here. We've been talking very high level and I want to bring it down to a more practical level. This is well and good after you've taken one group of employees through a series of strengths engagements, but what happens when people leave or you hire new people? It would seem like this is an ongoing process, right? So how do you onboard the new folks into this culture? Yes, well, this is a challenge and learning the language is one thing. And then what we realize is we need deliberate practice and shared relational experiences. When we onboard new employees, they each get an informal conversation about their strengths and they can see the strengths of their teammates. 
our employee experience team promotes these conversations and encourages our managers to have open conversations about their strengths as well. Yeah, so what does this look like specifically, yes, Linda? Yes, yes. Hard, hard, gonna... <laughs> hard stuff here. <laughs> okay, I knew you were going to ask me that. Sometimes it's hard for me to get brass tacks. Um, and it's important to emphasize that we practice the language <laughs> in the context of relationship. <laughs> this is what this means. Okay. Each new employee at Arite receives 16 hours of a strengths core process within the first year of employment. The core process from Leadership Vision includes a strengths education session around how we use strengths, a vision trek experience around the city mm-hmm. of St. Paul my or favorite, Minneapolis, thank favorite. you, one-to-one conversations with a leadership vision consultant, and a learning community day that we have affectionately called the strengths readout. And sometimes other people of, of the company will come. The cohort of newer employees, they get to bond, which is really important in a mostly virtual company. Oh man, that is so important to make sure all employees are on the same page and know the expectations of the culture they're coming into. In addition to this onboarding, what are you doing for the existing team members or maybe the company as a whole? Each quarter, every team at Arite has an offsite to align to the vision, get the issues on the table of what's working and not working at Arite, and set 90-day plans that we call rocks. Our offsites are usually framed with a strengths question, and we pause to consider what strengths we are using um, or what strengths need some maturing. It also helps us listen to others so that we really, truly hear what is being said. Okay, so here's a question. Do you use strengths in any meaningful way for performance appraisals or evaluations? Yes, but a little less formally. Often open-ended questions about how our strengths show up pop up in our reviews. And there's straightforward questions like maybe, you know, which of your strengths have helped you navigate this last project? Or, you know, what is a strength that is holding you back? Then after those reviews, the employee experience team or I will have follow-up conversations to help people fine-tune what's great in them. We have these um, impromptu meetings about strengths. Uh, we have them often. Um, sometimes people are over-rotating on their strengths or they're starting to become um, life-sucking or degenerative to, to themselves or others. And then, and then I call a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by over-rotating? Oh, well, maybe I mean overcompensating or trying too hard, not being life-giving with your strengths. A strength is not always a strength if it's hurting you or getting in your way. And we are pushing people to grow and continue on the path of self-awareness. So this is real in your culture. You're, you're not just doing the event once a year, but it seems like you found ways to integrate it at many points and many levels of the employee experience at Arite. Well, we're certainly trying. <laughs> we, good. Say, That's good. we say that we're strengths-based and values-driven. And our values are real and no longer an aspirational endeavor. Even at our business kickoff this last January, we answered the question about strengths, you know, like what strength or strength will we harness to individually sharpen one of the expressions of our Arite values. And people got really, really honest. Uh, One person just said, I want to do the right thing. And my responsibility strategic will help me have better boundaries and be more focused. And then there was another person who said, you know, I want to learn and share more one of our values. And they're going to use their connectedness, individualization, trusting that the knowledge, wisdom, and experience is exactly what the organization needs. So those examples display the way the strengths language has taken hold of the culture. Cool. I'm curious about the things that didn't go so well or that just kind of fell flat. You know, often you hear about organizations, they really want to do this, they get all excited, but it just kind of never takes off. So surely you've had some stops and starts or maybe certain ideas that seemed really great, but they just didn't take off. So Linda, what hasn't worked at Arite when it comes to building your strengths-based organization? 
What doesn't work is a quick splash. What doesn't work is using it as a hiring tool. What doesn't work is just making everyone read the book and memorize everything. <laughs> no one ever reads the book. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. I think anytime you're trying to make a quick splash into strengths and you know maybe you just want an hour lunch and learn um, or even a half day, it's nice and it's fun for a time, but we find that nothing really sticks with, with the employees. It has to, it has to take root. And the other thing is forcing people to take it. It is not a hiring or firing tool. We don't want, we don't require our candidates to take this, but we do invite them to take it if they want to even get to know us better and, and understand how we use it. Um, but we don't hire a profile ever. Um, and, and what I really would say that doesn't work is we, we can't rush this process. Deliberate culture change takes deliberate practice, intention, and accountability, and lots of time. Give it time. I think that's one of the things we learned pretty early, even before I was hired on, was that this is a long-term thing, and you have to invest time, money, energy, and people power. And if if it's really important to you, it requires some deep work. And it's not easy work, right? Well, it's easy, but it's... Uh, but it's complex. Okay. Uh, it's dynamic and it's deep. Yeah. So there are people listening to the podcast who might be getting excited hearing you talk, you know, getting excited about starting this in their own organizations, or maybe they have, but they've hit some sort of a roadblock. What advice would you give those people? Don't give up. Hmm. Uh, keep it positive. Make it okay to acknowledge your emotional, relational, and social needs quell the critics or naysayers or convince them that this is a way of life that fuels work-life alignment. I love that one. Uh, Keep it human. Be willing to be vulnerable. Get ready to transform your life. How? I mean, it's great to say that, but how do you Mm -hmm. actually get the negative people to be quiet or to push through when it's hard? Or you have a budget restriction and someone wants to, you know, cut the strengths initiative. Yep. Well, here's what we found. Negative people either leave or they find a reason to leverage their strengths in another way. That's one way. Mm -hmm. Um, Others uh, who could be very positive might realize that their strengths are ready for the next challenge or the next environment. And we get excited about releasing people as well. Uh, Sometimes... uh, People discover new things about themselves that help them dial in even more. When it's hard, when there's a budget restriction, it, it, it's up to the top, right? Um, it was our CEO that determined that he's going to do what's right for our employees. And he really believes that we can be both profitable and help people grow. Erte obviously isn't done growing mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to being rooted in strengths. So as the company grows and changes, as all companies inevitably do, you'll need to evaluate how being strengths-based is relevant for you, right? Mm -hmm. So that said, what, I don't know, one, two, or three very specific things had the biggest impact and got you to where you are today? Before I give you my three, I do want to say this. Being strengths-based is counter-cultural. Having a deficit-based model is so much easier. SWOT analysis, gaps, opportunities... But here's the deal. What if we really zero in on what is right with people? That is countercultural. And we think it'll change the world. And at Arite, we will remain strengths based, focused on what's best in people no matter what. Okay, so That's I'm good. off my okay, I'm off my soapbox. Soap <laughs> no, it's good, it's good. Okay, on to my three. The three that have had um, the biggest impact. First and foremost, get a champion. Get a champion. Find someone well versed in the language of strengths and release them into the organization. 
And for us, that's me. And I give 100% credit to Michael for having the courage to take a risk on creating my position and giving me the freedom and flexibility to breathe life into this thing. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Second, I encourage other organizations to think outside the box, find ways to seed strengths into the culture so it informs wanted behavior and opportunities to grow as adults. One very arete way we did this is through conversations and images and hearing people's stories. I like it. It's cool. Third thing. So you asked for three. I did. Biggest impact. Three's good. Uh, finally, this is something uh, hard to do if there isn't buy-in from the beginning. But the top of the organization has to support it, fund it, and believe in it. Michael Finland, the CEO, is dogged about our culture and the impact we can make on the world. I don't want to say that if the top isn't bought in, you're dead in the water, but they have to believe in it. Otherwise, it will be a very difficult thing to sustain long term. Yeah, they've they've got to be a, a helpful partner in this. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Linda, thank you as always for sharing this insight into what Irite is doing and has become as it relates to strengths and investing in what's best in your people. Always glad to be here. I love my life's work and I want to share it with as many people as possible. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. Subscribe to the Leadership Vision Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. I'm Nathan Freeberg. Thanks for listening.